Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. We're going to talk some USC football and a little bit of USC hoops with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. We usually do a show earlier in the week, but I was out of town, so we decided to reschedule for later in the week. And happy opening to March Madness, everybody. It's Thursday, uh, the first day of the NCAA tournament. Next few weeks are always a lot of fun to watch sports on television. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com or call or text at 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. Of course, we're on iTunes. We have our own URL there. You can go to itunes.com slash Podcast. Please subscribe. Uh, please leave some positive feedback, five-star rating. We love all of that. Helps disseminate the show to other USC fans across the country and across the world. And we do appreciate everyone tuning in, as I said. And let's welcome in our guest, Coach Harvey Hyde. What is up, Coach? How you doing? Well, it's great. I tell you, there's two times of the year. I, I Well, there's football season. I love that year-round. Football season goes year-round now, so I love football. But I love March Madness. I love the big dance. You know, I got really uh, into it with Jerry Tarkanian. Uh, I coached with him when he was at Pasadena City College and then followed him or went up and uh, became a partner of him when I was the football coach. And he was a basketball coach at UNLV and went to all the regionals with him and went to the Final Four with him. And it's an exciting, exciting thing to be around. And, uh, it's huge, and I remember when we were with uh, Tark, we'd play in an arena of 18,000. Now they play in an arena with 60,000, and you can't get a ticket. So it's a great time to sit back and do your bracket and see just how good you are, how smart you are as far as college basketball. But uh, it's a great time. It's, it'll, it's supposed to be raining here in Southern California maybe this weekend. So, and of course, Tiger is back. I'll tell you what, I don't play golf, right? Now, you probably play golf. I do. You're probably yeah. real good at it. But I just cheer for Tiger, okay? I watched the entire tournament last week. Why? Because of Tiger. I just, I just follow golf. I think he's something I, I cheer for. And I hope that uh, he can make the comeback uh, that I at least hope for. Yeah, I love uh, I love playing golf. I'm not that good, but I'm I'm okay. But the uh, yeah, I I do enjoy watching Tiger too. I don't think I during his heyday I wasn't as huge of a fan. I was more like a Phil guy. But uh, you know, I still root for Phil. But you know, seeing Tiger come back, you kind of hope something good there. Wanted to uh, thank our sponsor before we jump into everything. Southern California tickets. Go to sctickets.com or give them a call one eight hundred eight 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 seven two eight seven if you need tickets for anything. Uh, you can go to Southern California Tickets. I did see a show recently, Coach, in New York. I, I kind of dropped this before we were flying out to New York, but it was called Come From Away. Very good uh, show on Broadway. Enjoyed it a lot. It was a, based on a true story that I didn't know uh, about pl- from 9-11 when planes were flying in from international destinations. 
they were diverted to Newfoundland, Canada, and they had to stay there for a few days. And it's wow. all about that. And I didn't know this either. Newfoundland used to be, it was, it might still be the largest airport in North America because when, before like jumbo jets, the planes couldn't make it across the Atlantic, they would have to stop there on the way uh, and fuel up. So it was this huge airport, but now you don't need to do that anymore. So I don't know. Anyway, it was a really interesting story. Um, uh, really well done. I'm not like a huge musical guy, but so if you want to take your, you know, wife, girlfriend, whatever to see a show, there's some good ones out there. And the one I saw on Broadway, I enjoyed a lot. That's great. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've never done that. My wife has asked me to take her to that, and uh, maybe that's something I've cheated her on because I'm not a big play guy either, you know. Uh, but or musical. Yeah, I like music, you know. I remember the Phantom of the Opera. I felt like, oh, man, why are we going to this? <laughs> and when we left, I stopped. You know, they sell the, the, the DVDs and all that. I bought all of them. I tell you, it was absolutely fantastic. I played that music in my car for weeks. I loved it. It's nice. just being able to do something that you've never done before, you know? Yeah, it's pretty cool. So we got to take your wife to, to one of those then. Uh, to make a little trip out to, to New York. Um, all, right. all right. Well, Coach, we uh, I was not there for the Friday practice that they moved because of the rain. You were there. Uh, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts before we jump into some of the questions on – and we're going to talk some basketball a little bit later too – but just about what you saw that first day – uh, putting pads on. Well, <clears throat> um, I I didn't see much more than what I normally see because we were in the same playpen. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and all the drills. I just want to make sure that that hasn't changed. Everybody understands that, and I felt sorry. Really felt sorry for the. Uh, they say it's an open practice. And the parents and fans that are there, they're farther away from the action than we are. I mean, all the drills and uh, the areas that I really want to watch. And, you know, national championships are won with the offensive line and defensive line. And, Ryan, you and I can't watch them in any individual drills. You just you just can't. They're the farthest place uh, on the practice field that they can be away from me or you or whoever's in that area. So I wasn't able to really uh, concentrate on that. I, I was able to watch some of the drills and, and see the players and, uh, they were very spirited, and they were happy that they probably moved the practice to Friday because it was getaway day, and they were in pads. And, and uh, it's great to see that the, the spirit and all of that 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 players have when they're when they're ready to go. A uh, couple of things I think that uh, caught my attention more than anything was the missing of a quarterback and Jack Sears. And also an offensive lineman and uh, Andrew Voris. Andrew Voris, yeah, yeah, Voris, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, you know, it sort of caught my attention of where are those guys? Because I came to see the competition too uh, with uh, Matt Fink and him, and he was not there, so I became concerned and wondered as well as as everybody else where he was. And uh, I never attend the uh, press uh, portion of the practice at the end, as you know. And uh, the next day I read exactly where he was. And uh, I was somewhat astonished that the program would allow a player to miss practice because he's going to be in a wedding. Uh, Here's a guy that's competing and competing for a starting position with the football team for quarterback. 
and uh, and not at practice. And and when you're starting guys where you win national championships, not at practice. And it just shocked me. I, I don't know who had to. <laughs> it had a tough time coming into me and saying, "Hey, coach, I got him his practice today, but I got to go to a wedding tonight." or whatever it was. They'd had a tough time. I'd have said, what? You want to wear your tuxedo at practice and then run off? <laughs> you know what I was mean, weird, Coach, is that the practice was originally scheduled for Saturday, so I don't know if they had planned the wedding to not miss practice, but then they moved practice at the last minute, and then you're kind of like, okay, now what? Well, yeah. What You know, first of all, getting married on Friday, okay, and, and then I can't Clay Helton and the staff or whoever was going to the wedding made it. I don't know. Well, all I'm saying is that that's uh, something that, that happened, and it could have been very unfortunate that that's what happened, too. But, uh, wow, I tell you that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the spring game is going to be a circus, as you know. Uh, so there's two days of practice that really you don't get that much out of. So I don't know. I, I didn't. That didn't set with me very well. But again, uh, times have changed, and and I guess I haven't changed. So I just <laughs> think that it sort of tells the team what's the most important to them, uh, and the team would probably say, "Wow." And I I just don't see a player coming in my office and asking me about that. Okay, I, I really don't. And maybe the wedding was what. Between the practice times, I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I don't want to go any farther on that because <laughs> I don't know. But it seemed very strange when you don't when you're competing for a starting spot for quarterback and one of these guys are gone. Yeah, I mean there was only so uh, we talked to uh, Keely and Shotgun Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling on our Facebook Live show yesterday about it because they were both at practice as well. And we talked about it a lot. I mean, so, I mean, if you knew practice was Saturday and they scheduled the wedding for Friday so you wouldn't miss practice, that's great. But then if they move practice the day before, it's really hard to do something with the wedding. And if, you know, Jack Sears is one of the groomsmen or whatever, I don't know all the details. So it does, it, but it does seem very sort of strange um, that they did that. But to their point that it was not a great day for Matt Fink, it would have been a nice chance for Jack Sears to show what he could do. So if Jack Sears had a great day at practice and Fink and Matt Fink didn't, then it's, you know, that's a way for him to kind of sort of catch up or, uh, you know, get the attention of the coaches. So it was certainly, it seemed like a missed opportunity. I'm not going to begrudge anyone, you know, you got to go to a wedding, whatever, that's fine with me, but it would have been a nice opportunity. It seems like just the way practice turned out for Jack Sears to impress some guys. Well, I'm going to give him, first of all, the benefit of the doubt that the changing of the day of practice was a big deal, okay? I've got, to, I've got to say that because you've got guests coming and everything set up. You've rented the church wherever you get married and everything. you got the reception, but it seemed very strange. And, and again, yes, you never know when you can make or take opportunities of when you're, when you're it's time, your time to step up. And he absolutely missed that, but... Uh, Sort of shocking to me. That just, uh, I just sort of chuckled. I did. I sort of chuckled without knowing the real facts. And, of course, Coach Helton knows the real facts. But I'd have changed practice time before I would have allowed 
something to do that. I changed my practice to Friday at two, or I don't care what time. I just said, what time is the wedding? And I'd say, you're going to be at practice. Oh, we'd add practice not after the wedding. <laughs> that might have been funny, huh? <laughs> but uh, we'd have tried to do something, okay? Yeah. Well, the so I guess a lot of this comes from when they schedule practice. And this has been the tradition, or well, I don't know if it's tradition, but this is what we've seen the last few years where they'll start practice, you get a week um, and then they'll go on spring break and then they do finish practice the final four weeks, which I know the format seems a little bit strange. Um, and then, you know, moving it up to Friday, it would, would have made sense to give, you know, a lot of the players are going uh, out of the country or going on a trip somewhere. Some of the coaches are. So having the practice on Friday helps to do that too. Gets, you know, gets everyone out of there a little earlier. Tarek had a question about it. Uh, would it, would it have been better to start practice after spring break so it's similar to fall camp? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I've always said, uh, you know that, that I don't like breaks uh, when you're, you know, even during the season when you have a bye. Uh, I, I like, you know, getting their concentration, letting them know we're going to go hard. These are the days of practice, and uh, let's get after it. Because really when kids come back uh, after being gone a week, You've got to go back and really review and uh, get back uh, what you did the week before, a day at least, before you can move on. I like to get in the rhythm of things. I like to get moving. I like to move through the things and get everything in and and uh, keep the uh, schedule. I like that. I don't like to break up the schedule because, really, that's three days, and whatever you put in, you got to go back and sort of review it. I don't like that, and I know there's things scheduled on the fields where they can't get the fields and they can't practice in the Coliseum because of the renovation and all of these different things. But you've got to uh, – I, I always used to say I think football takes a priority over a, a, something else. I'm not going to pinpoint any one activity, but over any other activity as far as getting ready to play a football season. I think most of the income comes from that. And uh, you've got to be able to utilize every minute of the time allotted for you. And, and I don't like to break. I never wanted to break. I always used to say, when's our spring, spring break? And then I'd count back or I'd count, I'd start, we'd start earlier or we'd start later. But I didn't like to break in between. I, I've never liked that. And uh, there's reasons there are coaches do it. A lot of schools are still doing that, but I don't like it at all. Um, yeah, it just seems kind of strange. You're going to ask, uh, Clay Hilton about why they do that to break it up. Um, cause you, you get into the rhythm, you put pads on for the first time and then you don't practice for another, uh, like 10 days or something. So it seems kind of strange to like, why don't you just put it all together? But I don't know, whatever. But yeah, interesting question from Tarek. We had a couple. It is Tark. Tark. It is. And Tark, if you remember, excuse me, Ryan, no, no problem. If you remember, I've always was against that early morning practice stuff. You heard me complain about that all the time because your body becomes accustomed to when you eat and when you do certain things and when you sleep. I hated that 7.15 in the morning practice deal. Now, Jeff Kelly's doing that at UCLA because he did it at Oregon, and obviously he feels that you can do that. But I'm still a believer, especially with the Pac-12 network, and they say there's not going to be any changes on that next year as far as getting on anything else, direct TV or so on, that most of the games are late games. 
So why would you practice so early when your body becomes accustomed to a certain time of uh, where it needs energy and practice? So, you know, and, and eventually Coach Helton changed that. And I think it was great. Now, you know, you used to hear me say I hated the concert I used to go to uh, on the practice field. I mean, uh, do you play music in the classroom because they can study better or whatever? Hey, this is training gladiators, man. This isn't a concert, and they did away with the music. And I think this is part of some of the things that annoy me. You know the things that annoy me, the way you wear a uniform, the way you coach, the way the coaches dress, the way you teach, all of those type of things. Like I always thought that you respected your teacher more when he was in a coat and tie or a white shirt and tie rather than in a baseball hat and a sweatshirt in a classroom. I just felt that way, and I still feel that way. And uh, on the football field, I feel that way as far as how a coach dresses and how he appears to his student-athletes as far as the uniform that he's in. I'm old school. I guess you call me old school. But you represent some great colors in cardinal and gold. And you got to be proud to wear those colors, uh, not a black T-shirt and a white T-shirt and a red T-shirt. And, uh, you know, I, I just I guess I'm just um, over the hill. But, man, I tell you, it looks <laughs> good. Man, I tell you, it looks good when everybody's a team and takes pride in everything they do. Hey, I'd love to have just one practice and have you see one, Ryan, as far as when everybody's looking like Trojans. I'll have to check, that would be great to check out, Coach. Um, and that's cool. We love that you're old school. That's uh, that's a lot of the appeal. Um, Reggie, how did, he wrote it a couple times. I'll read the first one. He said, I'd like to know what you think about keeping Amon Ross St. Brown, so he's the incoming five-star freshman wide receiver from modern day, on the outside and moving Michael Pittman to the slot. When Pittman was in the slot, he really excelled and was very difficult to manage. I just don't think we should be automatically assuming Amon Ra should go to the slot. He really has that outside receiver roll down, and I like a big slot receiver. Not sure how that will impact blocking, but I would give him a look at slot. Fight on. SC List in Seattle from Reggie. No, Reg, uh, that's good thinking. I'll tell you, I, I think the first day of practice or second day of practice, they used some formations where they did put the tight end in the slot for the big receiver, something we've talked about for a long time here, like Stanford does. And uh, I think it's a good idea just flip-flopping them occasionally. I mean, uh, you know, just to give a different look and, and put a mismatch in there. I agree with that kind of type of stuff all the time. And I'm not against putting two tight ends in the game, both at 6-5 in the slot or outside and throw the fade or do certain routes on your corners or make them play a, a safety outside that they're not used to doing or whatever without doing much change to your offense uh, because they learned the, the routes as far as where they are and they know what the complementary uh, reads are and the routes are. I, I like this. I think whenever you can have a mismatch with a big receiver – in the seams or curl or corner or drag. I think this is all great. The bigger target, too, for the quarterback. So you've got a great thought there. And I think St. Brown has played outside. He knows how to do that. Move him around. Cause confusion. Get the defense to think. Maybe they'll blow an assignment. You see that happening all the time. You get a quick score. 
So I think that all is part of game planning. And then Reggie has one other one for you, Coach. He said, just a comment. We talk about the Ohio State game as if it were the only game USC played last year. It was a bad game. Teams have bad games, and it doesn't mean there should be drastic changes going forward based on one game. 2016, USC beat Notre Dame. This year, they beat Stanford, who beat Notre Dame. It doesn't mean the coach should overreact and then throw the baby out with the bathwater. Ohio State has had bad games. Sometimes you simply get outplayed and outschemed. Those are the things the team should try and improve. It doesn't mean our guys are not physical enough. That being said, are we assuming Coach Helton will not continue to evolve as a coach? The Ohio State tape was bad. There were issues along the offensive line. It happens. I've seen the Dallas Cowboys' great offensive line play poorly against a few teams. It happens. The process continues, and I expect the team and Coach Helton to continue to trend in the right direction. Fight on uh, from Reggie. Reggie, uh, you're you're right. You know you don't play your best game every game. Obviously, you don't. But you got to play good enough to play up to your competition, and you've got to be able to accept the challenges of who your opponent is. And I think what we all talk about is uh, the Alabama-Ohio State game. And, yes, they have beaten, uh, you know, uh, Notre Dame and other teams, but how good were they? Uh, If you're going to play realistically for a national championship or you're going to play for a Pac-12 championship, you've got to get better. You've got to get more physical. And I'm not trying to use comparisons as far as – but I guess I am. If you look and you saw how the Pac-12 did in bowl games, it wasn't very impressive. And it's more or less embarrassing. And it's hard to say, oh, the Pac-12 plays great football. They do. But look at the bowl game results. I mean, what Boise State did to Oregon, and, you know, we can go right through it. What Ohio State did to SC, the Pac-12 champion, and, and so on. So you've got to be able to step up when you play this type of competition, look forward to it, and win. I, I mean, to give you examples, I mean, uh, Pete Carroll loved to go to Arkansas and beat him so bad two guys transferred the next year to USC. They're the best players on their team. Or go to Auburn, go to the Southeastern Conference, go on the road and beat them on the road in non-conference games. I mean, you got to do it. It's not that USC didn't play well all the time. They were very fortunate, too, to win some games. If you look at the Texas game and overtime and some of these games, uh, now Texas turned out to be a darn good team. They're going to be a darn good team next year. But USC has got to learn to dominate some of these teams. Now, I know they're better, and I know the conference is better than it was when Pete Carroll was there because you've got teams like what Mike Le- uh with uh, with Washington State and Washington now is a heck of a team and getting good recruiting years and but now you got to be able to get better than that if you're going to compete for a national championship so don't look at what you have to do if you're going to play for a national championship what you have to beat in the Pac-12 because obviously that really hasn't proven to be that powerful you better look to see what the top 10 teams in the country are doing to win. So when you go up against a Nick Saban or an Urban Meyer, or you go up against these type of coaches, you know, you bring your bus, I bring my bus, you hand out your lunch pail, I hand out my lunch pail, and let's go out and find out what's going to happen. My feeling is I'm going to hit you so many times with a left, you're going to beg for a right. And 
this is the way you attack those type of teams, and you just don't go do it. You 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 talk that all the time, and you dare people to come into the Coliseum. You just dare them to come into the Coliseum, and you believe in that's who you are, and it's part of a philosophy of who you are. And if you're an ex-Trojan that played at USC and you're listening to me, you know exactly what I am talking about. So I think that's the best to say there. That's all I need to say. All right. Uh, we had a, a series of three quick questions from PD. Uh, I, he said this a couple weeks ago. So he was asking about Nathan, Nathan Smith, uh, who actually retired. So he, um, you don't need to worry about him, uh, PD. Uh, also about, has USC given any thought to moving uh, Valus Jones to running back, which we saw him play some running back in the first few practices? He said, based on his size and quickness, I believe he could make a heck of a tailback. And then also about moving Connor Murphy from outside linebacker to defensive end with his hand on the ground. We also saw that too. So I think he's up to, I think he's 265 and he's like trying to gain 10 more pounds and he's eating like 7,000 calories a day. But coach, maybe get your thoughts on uh, Valus Jones and Connor Murphy. Well, you know, one thing you have to do, uh, I think you have to take a player. And I heard Connor Murphy's uh, comments. He says, hey, coach, yes, sir, put me wherever you want. I like that. But I think you got to give him a true shot at it, too. You can't just talk about putting him there and not giving him a true shot at giving this kid an opportunity to play that and, and, and put him somewhere. And I think it's a good move, personally. I didn't think he had the quickness to play outside. Uh, he, he's a tall kid. He didn't have great lateral movement as far as coming off the edge and doing the things that were necessary. Great, could be a potential good player. You got to bulk him up. Going to try to be a 275, but he's got to get up to 295 because he's got to use his size and power when you're inside. And I think this is what he has to do. I watched him the other day specifically to see how he was doing, and he's learning. Uh, he's got to play harder. Uh, he doesn't, uh, and if you listen, Connor, you know what I'm talking about. You got to go harder than every play. You can't just well, look to the offside and since the play went away from you, sort of watch it, sort of loop over there. You got to be at a little lower as far as to the gravity down below when you when you play the game inside. And uh, I think he'll be uh, uh, I think he'd be a better asset. Let me put it to you that way, inside than outside. And also on Jones, yeah, he's. A, I remember seeing him. I, he had great speed in high school. I remember watching him. Uh, but you can't move him inside and move uh, him to a running back and then move him out again to receiver and move him here and move him there. And I know they had to do that because they didn't have Malapii or whatever uh, for the first week of practice. But you got to give a kid a chance to learn a position and be good at it and challenge. You can't just keep moving the kid around give the kid a chance to challenge for that position. If he's going to be a running back, he's going to be a running back. But there's a lot to learn and run a lot of plays and get a lot of reps and pass blocking and everything. And uh, also, if you're a receiver, you've got a lot of things you've got to learn as far as releases and blocking and routes and reads. So maybe they have to do that in the spring, but you've got to make a determination during the summer what is he going to be and where is he going to play. All right, we had, we had one from Justin. What are you hearing about the development of Austin Jackson? He was obviously a major recruit. Are there hopes he is a future star, or is the outlook questionable? And which of the current offensive linemen has the potential to be all-conference? I strongly believe the lack of NFL-type 
offensive line is our biggest weakness. That's Justin in L.A. Justin, I think uh, Austin Jackson's got great potential. It's getting him out of it. He's he's a talented kid. He's a big kid. He's got good feet. I don't know if he's a nasty kid or not. I don't know him. Uh, but, he, you know, I think he's got the talent to be a great player. I want to see aggressiveness out of him. I want to see aggressiveness out of all the people that play offense and defense. I mean, if somebody's rushing and holds you, grabs you, and so on, I mean, I don't want. I want you to go over and tell me, hey, "Don't do that again, buddy." I'll rip the face mask off your helmet. If you do that. Uh, I like to see guys play the game fairly, but play very aggressively and play a little nasty. And I think that's what he has. He'll probably someday be in the NFL. I'm telling you. He's got that type of talent, and I'd like to see that among all the offensive linemen as far as getting that type of talent and improving. I'm looking at Chuma. Chuma has played a lot of reps of football, and he's got to develop into a great football player and can't take a playoff. He's got to be able to be the leader, one of the leaders on that offensive line along with Lobodon. These guys are key. They've got a lot of reps in that offensive line. They know – you know, what it takes to win. And these guys have got to lead this football team. And uh, I think they've got potential in the offensive line. They've got numbers in the offensive line. I think they've got to get nasty in the offensive line. Can't be thinking all the time. You've got to be playing all the time. And I'd like to see the same type of approach on the defensive line. All right, Coach, I think we're going to shift gears and talk a little hoops to end the show. We had two questions. They're both a little long. I'll read you the first one. Uh, Dan, USC class of 1962, he said, I know this is a this is a spring football training, but I need to vent about the NCAA selection committee for March Madness. How in the world the Pac-12 only get three teams in while the SEC and the ACC got nine and eight is beyond me especially when one of the teams is Syracuse with an 18 and 13 record and a ninth place finish in the league while leaving out USC, which finished second in both the conference and the tournament with 23 wins and victories over tournament teams, Cal State Fullerton and Mexico State with an RPI of 33. Where's Larry Scott when this injustice occurs? Where's Lynn Swan? ASU finished eighth in the conference and lost in the first round of the tournament, yet got in. UCLA uh, also got in as a third place team in the Pac-12. Yes, they beat USC twice in Kentucky, but that only means that both USC and UCLA shouldn't have shouldn't should have been in the tournament. The NCAA is a corrupt organization that has sold out to ESPN and the shoe companies. When is USC going to fight back? Does fight on still mean anything for USC athletics? That's from Dan. Well, you know, uh, I feel like you do, Dan. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, now, after seeing UCLA lost, it's great after the question or whatever you set this question in and then Arizona State gets beat by Syracuse uh, you say uh, wow what about the Pac-12 I mean uh, UCSC has to win in double overtime I know they didn't have Metu and so on in the game and my feeling is this on the USC situation Mark Track did it with the women's team for a different reason because of uh, injuries as far as me as any infield I got my team together in a, in a room and I said hey guys you know we didn't go to the big dance and they seat us number one to win the NIT they set us in a position that if we don't win it 
we didn't deserve to be in the tournament. And, and you know, Metu's not going to play. Boatwright's gone. We lost our guard earlier in the year because of other problems. Why don't we just say we're not going to anything? Why do we have to buy a game, play it at the Galen Center, have 1,600 people show up because no one's interested, embarrass you, embarrass the program, embarrass the university, embarrass ourselves on national television? Why don't we do this? If we can't play in the big dance and we finish second in the Pac-12 and play in the championship game in the Pac-12, we're not going anywhere. We're just going to get it ready for next year and be mad about it. Now, I don't know. Maybe uh, Lynn Swan or them, they said, you can't do that. Or maybe they did think of doing that. They let Mark Track do it as far as with the women's team. And I think it was smart. And then you're right. Where was Larry Scott? Where was he? Now he's saying, oh, well, we'll have to do something about that. Uh, the next thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Larry. You're going to have to do something about it. But you're there handing out the trophy in the Pac-12 championship game and half the arena is booing you. What's that? Is that a message to the administrators, administrations, the, the, the presidents, the athletic directors, the athletes? I don't know how many people saw that, but he's at the Pac-12 tournament and he's handing the Pac-12 championship to Arizona and they're all booing him when they said his name. So he's not a real popular guy and I don't know when the administrators are going to figure that one out. I think he makes like $4 million a year. It ain't a bad day. And and then, of course, Lynn Swan. I have nothing against Lynn Swan, but as an athletic director, I think you've got to be more strong for your university and say, hey, we're going to take this up. We're going to find out what's going on when we have a 34 RPI and we're not even being in the tournament. I think that, I think you're right on everything you're saying. Because now, if USC doesn't win the NIT, is hey man, we were right. They barely got by the first round, double double overtime, all this. That hey man, I got more pride than to play before sixteen hundred people. USC expects more. So rather than to put yourself in that position, don't even go. Just get ready for next year. Be mad about next year. Say you've got to do better next year. Go out and recruit. And uh, tell them you know where to put it. And and that's basically, you know, see, I'm a little bit different. I'm more competitive. I'm not intimidated. I'm not trying to get on any committee. I mean, I want to be on the selection committee. I want to be, uh, I want to go to uh, this on a committee. I want to make sure we all get along, you know, with all of us together on the same page. I'm not one of those. I want to support my players. I want to support my coaches, my university, and stand up for it. And it's not uh, the president's responsibility. It's the, uh, He's depending on people to advise him on how it should be. And uh, I think Nikias now is on the football selection committee as far as for the playoffs. And you know, that's all you got to get along. If you start ripping those guys, they think they're going to select you for all this stuff. It's a fraternity, man. It's a fraternity. So, uh, you know, this is the way I look at it. And maybe I'm pretty harsh at it. But I think they slapped USC in the face, and USC turned the other cheek. Yeah, the couple of things. Nikias isn't on the selection committee for the playoff. It's like this board of presidents, or I forget what it is, but some other committee. It's some damn thing. Yeah, so it's some different one, but it's not that. It's not like the actual picking. 
And the from the comments from Andy Enfield, it sounded like, well, he had said it wasn't his call. So it's my guess was, and I don't, I didn't see anywhere he came out and said this, or I might have missed it. Um, he would have rather not gone to the NIT, but it wasn't his call. It was someone above him. So I, I think you're yeah. right there that that's what he would have wanted to do. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. I missed all that. And I'm sorry about putting a guy on a committee that he shouldn't. You know, no, no, that's it's, it's it's he's on one of those things, but just not he's not picking the playoffs. He's on teams. something like that. I yeah. don't know what it is. They got uh, so, so many committees, but they got to play golf. There. <laughs> I've always said when they had these committee meetings, they ought to have them in dorms. Not not at the Ritz Carlton and not in, you know. And then see how many people Monterey or Carmel. They ought to have them in the in the dorms. Yeah. That's um, where they ought to all stay. We got one last one. Another Steve is not a fan of Larry Scott either. He says, guys, so SC snubbed for the tournament of 68. That sucks. A study of USC's race and equity center concentrated on black male athletes from the 65 schools that dominate the NCAA's division one sports found that only 55.2% graduated within six years. When the NCAA and the universities are profiting mightily from these young men, Barely half see a college degree. Shameful, right? Maybe we need college presidents with enough pride and backbone to set academic standards higher. But no, University of Virginia president makes $750,000 plus $150,000 in deferred compensation against $2.1 million a year for the basketball coach, Tony Bennett. It's time for the chronically snubbed SC to stand up and form an association like the Ivy League has run by school officials to maintain academic integrity and the recent Big Ten network deal suggests they could work out their own TV arrangements. Larry Scott must go. Am I wrong? Steve, that, that was kind of all over the place, Steve, but uh, any thoughts on what he said? Yeah, you know, it's more or less a majority opinion on this. Sometimes change is good. I mean, you've heard me from day one talk about some of the things starting with media day. I mean, we can go through it all, Ryan. You've been a part of Media Day in downtown Hollywood or Universal Studios or wherever it goes, a place I'm trying to think, why would you have Media Day here with the traffic and everything going on? I don't know. It goes on and on and on. And I don't know if I can blame him, you know, because I don't know if he has the background of knowing exactly what to do in a lot of these situations. He's supported by uh, by other commissioners or guys that have, been in certain places to get it done and you know the president's uh, selected him and the president just gave him an extension so obviously somebody's happy about what he's doing I, I don't know but uh yeah you know there's so many uh, uh different opinions on the way things should be and the way things should be run and you know, all the different things that are going on every time there's a crisis this there's, there's a demand for change and and all of this, and uh, it's all come about to financial rewards to the players, to the universities, to the coaches, to the athletic directors, the race wars of new facilities, to all of the things that people think that are so important to to, to make a young student athlete want to play football or want to go to college or want to become a, a success in academics as well. I mean, every opportunity is given to a student-athlete today as far as tutoring and computers and all the things that are necessary. And you've got to be somewhat foolish if you don't take advantage of it. So 
the opportunities are there. It's just whether you have decided as an athlete or a an athlete that wants to be successful academically is to take advantage of what you have. And if you want to be successfully, too, uh, as a football player and you have the ability, you've got the facilities to take advantage of it. So it more or less, I think, goes back to what it's all about is the money. Everybody's concerned more about the money. Uh, the money is, is ridiculous, okay? I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's not not enough yet. Got to be more. There's going to be more. When you look at the NFL salaries, free agency, and so on, you say, are you kidding me? I remember when a million dollars used to be a lot of money. I mean a lot of dollars. When you used to call a guy, see a guy sitting over there? He's a millionaire. Oh, my God. How would you get that much money? Now, today, you see that guy sitting over there? Yeah, he's a billionaire. I mean, things are a little bit crazy. I mean, I don't know where all this money's coming from. But obviously, it's coming from television. Obviously, it's coming from somewhere. Endorsements, tennis shoes, this, that, contracts. But I think that changed the structure of college athletics. Shoe contracts now at universities. Uh, the, the shoe company telling you what kind of uniforms you're going to wear. These are the colors, and this is what we want you to wear, and this is the helmet. I mean, so they can sell more. I mean, who's running your school? Who's running your athletic department? Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit crazy. I think you've given away a lot of the control that what you used to have as a coach, as a university, because of financial uh, things. Yeah, it's a it's a big money sport, and we're going to see. I think we're going to see some changes over the next several years. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if that ends up happening. But a lot of hip- hypocrisy. <laughs> In uh, in the NCAA, so we'll see if they uh, kind of change amateurism and all that kind of stuff. But um, good good questions, good uh, good discussion, Coach. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out in the practice field next week and seeing the team. And uh, you know, Monday USC plays in the NIT against um, Western Kentucky, so they'll be back. the The hoop team will be back out there also, and of course, watching all the NCAA games uh, over the next few days. The first round is always a lot of fun. No, it is. It's a, it's a lot of fun, uh, and uh, I love college athletics. And uh, uh, it's a shame to uh, see all these some of these things that are happening, but they got to get control of it, and it's got to get back. I some I think somewhat back to where it was uh, years ago, where it isn't all money; it's more team than it is me, and all the different things that uh, make great universities and and alumni and everything want to rally around their university. All right. That is the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at coach Harvey Hyde coach. Really appreciate you uh, coming on again, spending some time. I know the games are started. I got the TV on in the background. So everyone out there, enjoy that first round and coach. Hope you do too. Oh, I dropped the phone. Nice. (laughs) I dropped the phone. Can you still hear me? I can't. We just wait till the end of the show for you to drop the phone. I like that. That's fine. Well, I tell you, I, I don't have the quickness I used to, okay? That's okay. <laughs> All right, Coach. Well, thanks so much again hey. for coming on. Have a great weekend, everyone. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Coach. And thanks, to everyone, for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. 
Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.